0: 5 a.m. Uh, welcome to Artie Parents, proud of you. I'm your host, Matthew Schufrider. Today, we have an exciting guest, Ron O.J. Parson, actor and director, ensemble member of Timeline, director of the current show, playing at the Goodman, Relentless. It had a very successful uh, run earlier this year uh, at Timeline, where it was playing at Theater Wit from January to February, and now it is back. It came back last in April and is now playing through May 8th. So, of course, I had to have the time to talk to Ron uh, about doing this show again. How is it comparing for doing it the first time? And then just learning more about him. And I have to say, this was an amazing interview. Uh, getting to know Ron and talking about Twilight Zone and baseball. Uh, he is set to be the directing Tony Stone uh the later uh and Goodman's next season so uh yeah here's my interview with Ron Parson Ron OJ Parsons how are you sir
1: oh I'm doing well doing well
0: thanks thank first of all thank you for doing this I know you are busy and and both the plays you've been doing have been so successful um I wanted to specifically talk about relentless because not only have you had a, a successful first run the first time but now that you're back when you go back into the rehearsal room, is the first show kind of like a blueprint for how it works? The first to make it work again? Or are you
1: starting from
0: scratch all over again?
1: Well, that's that's an interesting question. Sometimes you're starting from scratch scratch because you have new people, you know, and this this because it, it moved to the Goodman, the Goodman at the Owen is a, a little bigger. So we had to make adjustments that way. But as far as from scratch, no, it, it, this one was kind of, let's just pick it up and get, you know, reacclimated to what we were doing, finding the same energy, that kind of thing was we were a month off some actors, you know, they take a month off and they're totally off. And then we didn't know, we didn't really know this was happening for sure. So uh, we had to work out different things that people had going on in their lives. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it, was, it wasn't from scratch. It was more of just a, a readjusting to the new space. So right. yeah, it, it worked pretty well.
0: And I assume the, pro, the rehearsal process, was it just a free flow process or did new questions, ideas come up along the way? Well,
1: this, one, this one is a particular situation because the playwright is very involved in it. So with that being said, she was there, she was seeing new things she being Tyler Abercrombie, who, you know, this this play was very close to her. So I, I allowed, you know, a lot of times you don't want playwrights to do a lot of, a right. lot of that, you know, involvement. But this one was different. We we're very good friends from years ago. And I just wanted it to be, the I always tell when I do new plays, I tell writers, you know, some some want to sit back and some want to be a part of it. But I always say the first production of your play should be what you see in it. To be the way that you see it, because when it goes off, it's going to change. You know, right. when 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 other millionaires and whatnot get into it, different producers, different actors, different directors. You know, it's going to change. So at least have the ability to make the first one the one you want it to be. So that's that's how I saw it.
0: Yep. Right. And you said you've always really wanted to work with her, and you thought she was a good playwright. Um, what was it about this play that you thought uh, this is the one that you that should be produced?
1: Uh, I think I think it's because of the time period. We don't right. we don't see a lot of plays that deal with Black Victorians mm-hmm. in the in this era, 1919, right. be, before the Harlem Renaissance. A lot of there's a lot of things about the Harlem Renaissance, which is a few uh, ten years later or so. But this one was it was just an interesting time to see these people, these Black people that you don't see on stage. And I think that 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 was a, a hook for me to be able to bring that to life and then her passion for wanting to write it you know she 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 doesn't talk about what inspired her a whole lot but she told me a story about being in a play in Florida and she mentioned that she would really enjoy doing a play where she had to wear these victorian outfits and the, and the costuming person there said oh but you guys weren't around there you you didn't you didn't, you didn't wear these kind of clothes and so she just you know the research came out and the right. the intelligence came out and it became this play which which has a lot of heart and it shows that you know we we were around <laughs> 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 believe me
0: uh, you know I've I, I've been working at the Goodman for about ten months now and oh, okay yes yeah, so you you probably see me I, I I front of house I bartend
1: I think uh, I have yeah yeah, yeah. I'm
0: sorry this is what I look like and. <laughs> what's been this great experience though for me is hearing from audiences like what they think or maybe yeah you know we have subscribers i hate to use subscribers but that's just what we use right um, Exactly. what they think of the show is it, it it has the response been different and i'm not saying like more criticism or more praise but just what the thoughts from a different audience have been
1: thus far you know that's interesting um i'm not too You know, at Timeline, we have a lot of audience involvement, talkbacks and different things like that. So I do get the sense of what the audience is feeling. This one, I haven't, you know, it opened. I haven't really been back much. um, And I haven't heard uh, those responses, except from people I know who know me that have sent me text messages and things like that. So, but I, I, from the the few times I have been there and listening at intermission, when people don't know who you are, they're just free-flowing talking and you know they i i I have I try to think that I have a you know kind of uh I'm incognito or enigmatic and they don't really know who who I am around Tyler's a little different they know she's very yeah. flamboyant she's out there <laughs> hey I'm the playwright yeah. so she says she does and she's like that because it's her first you know big opportunity um, I mean you alluded to saying that why did I think this one needed to be out there? Because I've read a lot of her plays and this one, I just, it spoke to me as more people need to see it and hear it. And, uh, but her other plays, I knew that she had to get them out there. So she's so excited about that. And and that's really great, but I try to keep a low profile, but, uh, I do hear comments, you know, and every now and then you hear, you know, some people say kind of things that, uh, you know audiences are going to think it's it's a it's a wide variety of issues that are brought about in the play from you know black white perspectives you might get a little different but it's all 99% i think been positive you know yeah. there may there you know it is a long play but you know it's 2 hours i, I you know people want to say over 3 hours but it's 2 hours and 50 some minutes with the intermission is 3 hours and 15 minutes or so but uh, the actual play, but uh, but you know, most of the comments on that I hear are, it doesn't feel like it, mm-hmm. you know. And I look back, I do a lot of plays at a lot of theaters, you know, with older audiences, and sometimes inevitably you're going to have people sleeping. This one, this one, I haven't seen that very often. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, you know, I saw it. Theater Wit was a little tighter, so it was a little smaller. This one, you know, you got people pretty far away in some places and you know you might get some nods here and there but i think another scene or whatever perks them right back up and then it moves pretty quickly i try to to uh get the pace going especially from the very beginning i always say uh the first 15 minutes should fly i don't necessarily fly but it should get the pace and the rhythm Mm -hmm. that you you're going to get comfortable with yeah
0: it's a setup it's a good yeah it's a a good setup it's good yeah yeah so uh, speaking of um, pacing and young, that's a bad transition. I want to talk about young Ron. I know you grew up from New York. Um, what were you like as a child?
1: Well, I'm from Buffalo, New York, which is a little different. It's funny because people who don't know New York State, it's a huge state, right? Right. <laughs> and so the, uh, the fact that I'm from Buffalo, which is on the Western New York side, uh, New York City is about eight hours away driving, eight or nine hours. So it's a, it's a big state. But yeah, I'm from Buffalo. I did live in New York for several years, and my my parents divorced, and my mom lived in the Bronx. She moved to the Bronx, New York, and so I did have that experience of New York City. But um, what I was like, I was an athlete, and I played uh, football and baseball, and I thought I was going to be a pro, personally. (laughs) You know, I I played the softball league, the theater league for years, and still might try to play next time we come around. COVID kind of shut it down for me. But um, so I, I played sports and I I went to school uh, to be to Michigan. I went to the University of Michigan. I thought I was going to play sports, but I was a sports journalist. So I was always writing about things in the newspaper uh, at in, in high school and college. And so eventually, though, uh, I had already always acted. I was telling this story last night. My first play was in the third grade. And I my my first line was I am. Mars, the red planet, red like blood, and uh, I still remember that line. <laughs> but uh, but ever since then, I got a scholarship to the Studio Arena Theater School. A guy named Neil Dubrock, the founder of the Studio Arena Theater in Buffalo, kind of did a little, uh, and you know, I guess his diversity training back that long ago to get more involvement in the community. So I, I really credit him with getting me started. Um, you know, he founded the studio arena theater and he's passed on, but, you know, a lot of times people don't know the influence that you have on young kids. And I, I try to, be, to, to be that same way with youth, you know, to get them involved and this and that. So, you know, I, I, I've been doing it since I was a kid and, uh, still playing sports to play, I play, play table tennis competitively for, for a lot of years. And, you know, just that's that. Athletic athletics and theater are very similar, you mm-hmm. know, with the, the discipline you need and the way that you the commitment to it and you know the the getting the being ready so so to speak, you know, before you go out on stage, just like before you go out on the field. Right. So that you look why. like you you look like you probably played basketball. In I high
0: am very tall, and yeah. I, I did try out for my high school basketball team, and I yeah. quit after the first day of tryouts so I could attend film club. Because we were you watching The Deer Hunter.
1: <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. Great movie. Great movie. Great
0: movie. Well, yeah. so, speaking of film, like, I understand you went to
1: college initially
0: for film. And, like, you were kind of into the film genre. I know one of your favorite shows is, like, The Twilight Zone, for example.
1: That's true. Who you have been talking to? On the internet.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, first of all, I need, I need to get this out of the way. Because um, I am a Twilight Zone fanatic. Favorite uh, episode of The Twilight Zone.
1: I, I don't. I I can't. There's so many you can't really pick a favorite one, you mm-hmm. know. But if I I had to pick one, I I would pick the original pilot, you know. Um, uh, where is everybody? Yeah, you know, because it really takes you on a ride, and then at the end of it, it's like oh, and then you think about these guys and these spaceships, man, the, the the what they have to go through. I couldn't sit in a cubicle like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, John Glenn. I mean, I I had new respect for what those guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to, to, if I had to say my, my uh, favorite one, though, it would be because I'm a Black American. And when we were growing up, Rod Serling had Black people in his episodes that weren't maids or butlers. They were real people. So we we gathered around as a family to watch watch Twilight Zone. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so into it. Because as a kid, we watched it because we could be proud of what was happening. I've always loved Rod Serling. I've seen a lot of his interviews that he talked about that. But I'd have to say my my one of my favorite ones, to, besides that first one, is "I Am the Night." Color Me Black. Yeah. That's Ozzy Davis, and it's about racism and and um, you know a guy is getting ready to be hanged for being for for uh, uh, killing a bigot. And uh, and then Ozzie Davis's character has this great monologue, which I thought, um, you know, would be a good a good theater theater monologue, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, because it's about the hate, all the hate that's in the world. And then it gets dark. It's getting dark and it stays dark. The the sun isn't rising because of all the hate in the world. And there's a, a epilogue at the end of it where it's spreading Dallas, Texas uh montgomery alabama you know and it's like it's right during the civil rights movement so you know that i'd have to say if i had to say a favorite one that would be it but there's so many the magic dust the magic dust you know i mean it's you know i can go on and on i
0: still i still like i was watching eye of the beholder and that's still still, the final few minutes get me very
1: very classic one william shatner was in a lot of them too he has the one, you know, with the little, the little game on the table at the dining table that's telling the future. I mean, you know, he he was he was in a, a bunch of stuff back then that uh, that we look at now and and don't realize, you know, he, Captain Kirk was in a lot of stuff before Captain Kirk. Hey, it's funny because I was watching Star Trek the other day, an old Star Trek back in the original ones, and they talked about Omicron. Over the rest. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned Ro- uh, uh, Robert Lansing, I think, is the actor. And he's he's dealing with the future or something. And he says, "Yeah, this omicron thing." And I'm I'm wondering if those scientists were Star Trek uh, uh, fanatics, the the, the doctors. <laughs>
0: why, why are they predicting the future? They <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, so was it true that you, that you did start to study film and then transition to theater? Well, and you know,
1: you know, I, this story is uh, film and television. My major was radio, TV, and film. Okay. Uh, um. My teacher, my first teacher. Again, I'd always been an actor, but I I didn't think of it as a career. I just thought, oh, this is fun to do. But I had a teacher named uh, Robert McKee, and Robert McKee now is one of the premier uh, lecturers on screenwriting. He has a he has a book called Screenwriting. I think that's what it's called. And he goes around all the world, you know, all 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 around the world, teaching prop you know screenwriting. Anyway, he was my first acting one on one teacher, and he 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 actually got me we did a film back then. I was a freshman at U of M, but he talked to me about because I was primarily an actor then, and he talked to me about acting, and he, he was like, "You know we did a monologue or scene or something, and he took, pulled me to the side and said, "Are you serious about this? you know because you know you you, you, you you know it seems to be easy for you and this and that And uh, I said, well, you know, I don't know I'm a freshman." I'm still going to try out for the baseball team, things like that. And he was like, I think you should get serious about this. And um, that's, that kind of stuck with me. But then theater was always the easy, easy access to uh, when you're a freshman, freshman and sophomore. And I wasn't, you know, I had the television classes. I had some good film classes. Back then it was film, you know, not, not digital. But I was a, a film editor and I had to do that kind of stuff. But I just—I always tell it. I fell into the theater thing, and it—it uh, it was just so much. I, I don't—I don't know how, how that happened. But as an actor, I always tell my actors that if you're if you're great and and uh, balanced and stuff in your theater training, that's going to make you a better film and TV actor. It's easier for a stage actor to convert to film than it is a film actor to convert to the stage because they, we have to learn lines. We have to learn monologues. We have to, you know, it's a, it's a different world. Uh, I, I use this, this, this term, I saw in a t-shirt a long time ago. Uh, theater is life. Film is art and television is furniture. <laughs> so, you know, television acting is so simple compared to what we do on the stage. You know, you learn a few lines, you learn a scene, they cut you learn get prepared for the next scene learn a few lines do a scene cut theater that doesn't happen film you know film is kind of a mixture of both sometimes they'll they'll do some long shots i know uh, alfred hitchcock used to film uh you know some scenes total scenes and so you had to learn more lines but um for the most part i just fell into theater it just seemed that craft was was deeper so to speak but i i kind of regret that cuz i could be doing more films i did you know, you had to do, make films back then, and I I always enjoyed it. Um, 16 millimeter, you know, was was the thing back then, and uh, I enjoyed it. I feel I I look at my stage directing like it like an eye of a camera. That's how I I kind of look at it. So when when we're moving in the movement, I use I use a technique that I employed from uh, Busby Berkeley. Some people may know Busby Berkeley. He was a famous film director he directed a lot of musicals but he had the overhand overhead camera if you looked at his choreography it'd be like circles and Mm -hmm. movement and flowing so if you watch one of my plays I'm trying to to emulate that with the movement of the actors so it's like they're dancing you know that that's that's kind of how I try to try to do it so so film is in my in my my brain but but I I'm entrenched in the theater world
0: are you one of those who is on their feet during a rehearsal process when you want, it, when you know what you want and you got to see it for yourself instead of just sitting and watching? Yeah,
1: sometimes I, I do move a lot. I, I am up a lot. I'm not necessarily, you know, being the actor that's, I'm just moving. I'm just physical with it. Sometimes I do have to feel the move. So I'll take the position. I directed my first uh, August Wilson back in 1992. I directed, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, mm-hmm. and I played Levy, which is the main character, right. and directed it at the same time. So it was like, you know, you're, you're, you've got two eyes, you're, you're watching and you're being at the same time. It is difficult, but it does, it does give you a feel of what the movement is. So I do like to do that. I think that the actors who direct uh, are different. They're different directors. That's how that's how I feel about it. A director who who hasn't acted or doesn't act kind of misses a, a little bit of the other side of it. So I think uh I would say actors who direct are, you know, I hate to say this, but I think they're stronger uh directors because of that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that, but that's all right. That's that's their thing, <laughs> Right. Uh,
0: so I'm just curious. And so you you went to Michigan and then what brought you to Chicago? Was it a show, a person, an event? Interesting,
1: interesting story. You you're you're getting into this side of these questions. That's that's good. Um, I moved to New York. I didn't even know about about Chicago theater. I was uh New York, or, you know, because I had lived in New York and uh always thought, you know, New York is theater, Broadway, all that. And uh, and I was uh, on campus. I tell him when I was at Michigan, uh, David Allen Greer, Reggie, Kathy, and I we we were you know the the three guys on campus doing a lot of stuff. Um, I actually got them into theater. Uh, uh, Reggie was going to law school. He's passed on now. He was in the House of House of Games, House of Cards that that TV show. He played the guy that had the barbershop. I mean right. not the barbershop. Barbecue. Barbershop. Yeah. Um, and David, of course, is David Allen Greer, the major, major celebrity. But um, we uh, started this theater company. I forgot, I forgot your question. What was the question again? Like, what brought you to brought Chicago? Probably Chicago. Okay. So we were, we were finishing up at Michigan. They were going to Yale and I was going to go to Rutgers. William Esper had recruited me out of Rutgers, out of uh, Michigan. The the Urdas, the they call them, the auditions. So anyway, got to Chicago, I mean, got to New York. Uh, and New Jersey, and I was, you know, disenchanted with Rutgers. Uh, they were doing great things at Yale, and then I just decided to move to New York. So I, I figured I'd just go ahead and give it a shot. And um, when I got there, you know, I got kind of a rude awakening. We were, you know, big men on campus, but you get into the big city, and you're just one pee in the pot. Uh, in the in the pot, and um, I got an, a job offer to uh, be the drama director at a theater in Flint, Michigan, mm. where I met, actually, where I met some good friends of mine who we started the Onyx Theater Company later. But um, from Flint, Michigan, the guy I was replacing was uh, moving to Chicago. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, Chicago, that, what's going on there? And he was telling me all this, th- he was a playwright. He was telling me all the things that were going on. And I still, you know, still wasn't sold on it. And I moved back to New York after Reaganomics uh, cut my uh, the job in Flint. Went back to New York, and again, I was thinking different now. I knew something about Chicago. And a friend of mine, Alfred Wilson, who is cur- in my current show, Two Trains Running, uh, uh, which we're in rehearsal for, was working at the Goodman. He actually was one of the only... Uh, uh, mark black marketing directors in the country he was the marketing director at the goodman and he said he could get me a job or uh, audition a, and possibly a job in the group sales at the goodman but he um he said he could get me an audition for the play that they were doing and the playwright was a was a friend of mine named oyamo and i came and i got this audition and i got cast mm-hmm. and so uh I stayed, you know, to do the play. And then I thought, okay, let me get an agent this and that. See what happens. Johnny Lee Davenport, uh, another friend of mine who's passed on. He, uh, he got me an agent with Gettys, and I got an audition with Primal Fear, which is a movie with Richard Gere and Ed Norton. Oh, great movie. That was Edward Norton's first movie. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but anyway, I got cast, (laughs) you know, they flew me to LA and we did all this stuff. I was like, I think I need to be in Chicago, it's mm-hmm. different, different than New York, and this and that. So anyway, I stayed, started a theater company called Onyx Theater Ensemble. And uh, we did very well for about five years. And then we kind of all just kind of branched out. Uh, uh, Martha Levy and, and Paul, a guy named Paul Carter Harrison, who was a mentor of mine, uh, uh, icon in the black theater world, you know, promoted me and, and gave me a lot of confidence you know, I directed four shows over at Steppenwolf before, you know, they, they are what they are now, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was, it was good. I just felt like I needed to stay here. So just stayed and things, things started to happen.
0: Right. things picked
1: yeah. up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we are running low on time, but I have to ask uh, Tony Stone, what you're going to be directing uh, next season. Uh, what are you looking forward to about it? And, what has, or has anything already surpassed your expectations of
1: it? You know, uh, Tony Stone, Lydia called me uh, when she got the offer to, to to write this adaptation of this book. It just shows you how, we, we've been friends. She was part of Onyx when we started it. Right. And uh, so she called me and said, I'm, I'm getting ready to just play about baseball. And I happened to be directing Fences in Kansas City and I was at the Negro League Museum. And I was like, wow you need to come and see this and she said do you want to you know do the workshop so I was an actor in the workshop in the original you know and I again I was a baseball player so I knew a lot of the the, you know stuff that terminologies and the way you hold the glove and how they we you know I took everybody to the batting cage and you know this kind of thing what I what I feel about it because I never didn't think about getting to direct it you know Pam McKinnon directed the original she asked me about being in it because I did the workshop, but I, I was too busy. And so I, you know, when it came back around, I was like, okay, what would I do different? And, and one of the things is, you know, baseball is, 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 is a, is part of, is my heart. So that aspect of it and the Negro leagues, and I just want to make it a baseball play, you know, and, uh, and do some things in there. I have an idea for, for, uh, you know, who, who can who can be that woman that that plays baseball and uh, she's an athlete. And so, you know, those kind of things where, where I told the, the, the marketing team that uh, the baseball, there, it's an art to it. It's like dance when you're sliding and when you're, you know, you know, we used to do the uh, up and down slides and pop up slides. And the way that you turn a double play and the way you slide in the second base, all those things are very artistic and very dance-like so I think that the romance of the game and just it's a good story and I kind of want to add you know some of my own flair to it to make it different from any other Tony Stone that has been seen or done that's how I feel I always feel like you know doing something not necessarily different but doing a richness to, to of the play itself to bring it bring it to life and from my and from my point of view. So I, I'm looking forward to that because, again, I'm a baseball player right. and all, all my designers are ath- either former athletes or still play a little bit of sports or are sports enthusiasts. And right. so we can we can have some. I wish it was in the summer so we could go to some games.
0: I was going to say because that's happening yeah. during the offseason.
1: Yeah, talk. it came. It came. It kept changing. The, the dates kept changing. because At one time, it was going to be in the summer. I was talking to Todd Rosenthal, who was designing a set. And I was like, man, we can go to Cubs or White Sox, because I'm a Yankee fan. So we could go to the see the Yankees play and this and that. But you know that won't happen. But we, I do want to do some some visual stuff where we take the cast to watch some baseball right. and to definitely watch some Negro League baseball, you right. know. So just so you get a sense of it, put that in your spirit and your heart when you, when we're doing the play. That's awesome.
0: Well, speaking mm-hmm. of the spirit, we're gonna play this game. Time for two. Okay. Two minutes on the clock, two minutes of random icebreaker questions. No right, no wrong. We're just curious to see what your opinion is. Okay. All right, you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. What is in your fridge right now?
1: Too much food in the freezer. The freezer is full of uh, bad food, but it's, it's old food. I need to clean it out. It's literally too full. It's got a lot of junk in it. Great.
0: Uh, <laughs> it, uh, how do you like your eggs? uh
1: scramble with cheese are you afraid of virginia wolf no are you smarter than a fifth grader no candy of choice snickers fruits or veggies uh spinach typical bedtime it used to be 6 in the morning but now it's like 11
0: Okay. Oh, uh, 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 fork, spoon, or knife? Spoon. Do you hit the treadmill or hit the couch?
1: Unfortunately, the couch. Uh,
0: what was in your high school locker?
1: Oh, my, my spikes and my, my glove and my ball and all of that stuff. Yeah. A couple Favorite, of books. A well, couple of books. At least there's books. <laughs> yeah. Favorite president?
0: Obama. Favorite kind of tea? Uh, a chamomile. How much wood can a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck chuck wood?
1: Uh, uh, two by four.
0: What chore do you absolutely hate doing? Dishes. Uh, if you could learn any language fluently, what would it be? French. Do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? No. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Don't like it. Do you put ketchup on your hot dog? Yes. Would you rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos? Sushi. Vacation trip of choice? Uh,
1: uh,
0: Hawaii. And that's how we play time for two. Look at that.
1: Did I get in? I I answered them pretty quick.
0: Oh, I was that was good. That was probably one, I'll put it up there.
1: Yeah, I did this thing if for uh, uh, I guess it was WBZ or something. It was like a minute, and they would shoot questions at you like that. It's online now. It's it funny. Yeah, I, so, if you, if
0: you need something to do on a two dossier, just play this game and you'll be good to go.
1: There you go. Yeah. There you go.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ron, before we go, I have to ask: uh, Are your parents proud of you?
1: Uh, well, they were, they're both gone now, but they, they, they were, my mother only saw one play I ever did. And my dad, he saw me mostly as an actor. So he, yeah, he was proud of that. In fact, switching to directing, he was like, like, what are you, you know, I don't see what you're doing. What do you, what do you do? I said, dad, well, I'm the one telling them what to do. Right. But then he he came to visit once and he saw I was directing two shows at the same time. One at Steppenwolf and one at Goodman. And he got to, you know, I was at Steppenwolf in the uh, nighttime and Goodman in the daytime, and he got to watch it. And I think he had a new appreciation for it. And yes, he he was very proud.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Ron OJ Parsons, thank you so much for Okay, coming. let
1: me let me first let me say this. There's no S on the end. I am so sorry, Ron <laughs> Parson.
0: I, you know, I did everything, all the research except the last name. I'm so sorry. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I accidentally screwed up the last name. Okay. Well, in case you were wondering, yes, I do have flaws, which is I need to pronounce names or realize that there's no S at the end of Ron Parson last name. Oh, well. Uh, My thanks to Ron OJ Parson for coming on. Like I said, Relentless is playing through May 8th. Go to goodmantheater.org Learn more about the play. It is a really, really you see my I'm clapping my hands, you can't see me. Uh it is a really fantastic play. Um, you know, the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune has called one of the best new works in years, and it is said you should go see it. And if you want to see Tony Stone, it plays January 28th to February 26th, 2023 at the Goodman Theater. The essential true story of the first woman to play professional baseball and this can't miss event. Well, that is it for me. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Are Your Parents Proud of You? Bye-bye.